welcome to Rugged Theology, where we talk church planting, theology, and drink coffee. Welcome to Rugged Theology. I am your host, Adam Diamond, and today I have with me Mr. Matthew Leahy. Hey, everyone. And David Drover. Hey. How's it going? All right. So we have a pretty good episode for you, I think. I would like to think so. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, do you have something you want to share with us? Oh, I took in a deep breath and I had nothing to uh, to say. But didn't know, yeah. where to, didn't know where to go after it, that. It's going to be an awesome episode. Yeah. <laughs> so this is part, kind of part two, I guess. Um, so last week we did a um, part of a Send Network stuff where we talked about family. So Send Network's values basically are family, restoration, or family multiplication and restoration. Mm. Today, uh, we're going to go into part two of that and talk about multiplication, which basically has to do with discipleship. I mean, yeah, we multiply churches, but how do you multiply churches by planting other churches with what? Disciples, Disciples. in Christ. Yeah. So with that said, guys, let's get right into it and, you know, help me understand, like, what do we mean when we say discipleship? What is discipleship and, like, why do we need to care about it? Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Disclaimer, a lot of what I'm about to say is not my own. It's taken from Mark Dever. He has a great little book um, that's just called Discipling. Yes, yeah, Nine Marks book, um, right? Yeah, Nine Marks Building a Healthy Churches series has like, there are a bunch of little colorful books. We do them in Sunday school at Calvary. They're, they're great little books. Um, but just very, I, I, I like these definitions because they're very accurate, but also they're, they're pretty simplistic and it gives you a lot of room to kind of fill it out afterwards. Um, but I mean, the, at first of all, even before going to discipleship, a disciple is a follower. So when we talk about disciples of the Bible or disciples of Christ, we're talking about followers of Jesus. That's that's who we're talking about. Um, and then when we talk about discipleship and, and discipling, well, Dever, he, he defines them as discipleship is the term that I use to describe our own following Christ. So basically, it's it's our it's us following Jesus. Discipleship is my following of Jesus. And then discipling is the subset of that, which is helping someone else follow Christ. So when we talk about multiplication, when we talk about um, church planting and, and churches, you know, and, and how are we going to disciple others and that process of discipling, it's it's basically helping others follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's a, I mean, it's pretty simplistic, but I, I like simple and clear. Um, so I've, I've kind of stuck to those typically, and yeah. So it's it's a process of making people more like Jesus then. But yeah, so, so I mean, I mean, helping others become more like Jesus. I mean, that that's that's going to be a result. Being more like Jesus is going to be a result of following him, mm-hmm. right? So, so how do we do that, guys? Like, what what does discipleship actually look like or discipling other people? Well, I think before we answer that question, let's just let's just go back one step. And, and, and why, why do we make disciples? Well, because Jesus told us to. It's a lot. One of the last things he said to his disciples which, you know, trickled down over the you know next 2,000 years. But he says in, in at the end of Matthew, uh, in chapter 20, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Mm-hmm. And so we, we make disciples because Christ has commanded his disciples to make disciples. Mm-hmm. So that's why we make disciples. In short, it's our mission. It's our mission. It's That's the mission of the church. That's great. So what is a disciple then? Someone who follows and obeys Christ. 
So we have someone who follows Christ. Um, we have that process of helping them become more like Christ. Now, again, most of that is up to the Holy Spirit, uh, but we come alongside them, help them to see Scripture, help them in just everyday life, and what it means to be a disciple of Christ or to follow Christ um, in, in everyday life. Well, that's, I love the verb that Dever uses, right? Helping mm-hmm. others follow Jesus. Yeah, not, not that we make them... Or, yeah, we, we help them. We do whatever we can to point them back to the Word. We do whatever we can to point them back to Christ, to 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 model what it looks like, you know, in our own discipleship, what it means to follow. Um, it's it's all about helping them follow Christ, right? Yeah, so, this isn't coercion. It's not forcing people. It's not, you know, ramming Christ's teachings down their throat to be like, this is how, like, you need to conform. No, there, there's an implied willingness uh, of the person who wants to be the disciple uh, to want to, <laughs> to be a disciple for you know poor phrasing there so mm-hmm. yeah it's it's not this forceful thing it, it's a it's a willingness to mm-hmm. yeah. I mean if you, if you have come to saving faith in Christ if you have confessed your friend sorry confessed your sins to Jesus if you have you know if you believe that he is the son of God that he died in your place so that you might be saved and you believe in all that then you, you're going to want to live how Jesus says you should live. And the Holy Spirit is going to you know, guide you in that anyways, and your desires are going to start to change. But you're going to want to follow Scripture. Yep. Right? It, and it, you have to come to terms with some things that Scripture says, whether um, it be dealing with your anger, dealing mm-hmm. with your greed, your lust, um, you know, your pride, your, your money, whatever it may be. Mm. You, you have to deal with that because if Scripture is God's Word, then, you know, who comes out on top here, what God says or what you say? Right. And there's, Paul says it really, really great. I, I think this captures the essence of, uh, of the whole discipling or discipleship or, you know, maturing process, whatever you want to call it. I, I think Paul captures it really beautifully in Romans 12 when he, when he says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. You know, that lifestyle that you used to live, the, the behavior that you used to have prior to coming to Christ. But he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm. Right. And, and that comes through, like, like you mentioned, Adam, the, the working of the Holy Spirit, the pouring into people's lives through the saints, through taking an invested interest in, in seeing someone be transformed more and more into the image of, of their Savior and, and into the image of Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Ephesians 2, I mean, Paul breaks it down really well of where we were mm-hmm. and where we are now in Christ, right? Um, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked. Uh, you know, you were children of wrath. You were carrying out inclinations of your flesh and thoughts. But it goes on to say in verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love they had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. So the Holy Spirit makes us alive, even though we were dead. He raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and it is not from yourselves, it is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. So like even becoming more like Christ, it doesn't make you more saved either. Mm, right, we are saved right. by grace through faith in Christ. You know that that that's it. You can't be more saved than you already are, and you can't have God look on you more favorably or to love you more just because you are becoming more like Christ. He He loved you even before you were His. Mm-hmm. You know when you when you were still a sinner, He loved you. Mm-hmm. I believe that's Romans five, isn't it? 
or Romans 5 or Romans 8. I get them mixed up sometimes. But while we were still sinners. That's Romans 5. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Christ died for us. So it's not, you know, God's love for us is not based on our action. Mm -hmm. Um, But our transformation is based on his action towards us. It's based on his choosing. There you go. So guys, we're all involved in church planting here. All all three of us and, you know, the other guys and in in the office. But Matt, you're the pastor and church planter of Kilbride Community Church. Mm -hmm. I'm the church planter and will be pastor of Downtown Community Church. And we need to, I think we need to be thinking of how are we discipling our people, right? Yeah. Um, So I'll ask the question, but I already kind of answered it. So do you think churches need to have a plan or to think about how they're going to disciple their people. Absolutely. And why? Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, I, I can jump in here as well. I mean, you know, it's it's important for us to be thinking strategically about how we're going to make disciples. Because, I mean, it's an important thing. Um, I mean, that I mean, just even in general, in a general sense, if you're going to treat something with importance, um, and I mean, like we said, making disciples is, is our mission. So we don't just go about like, and our mission is what we live for. It's why it's why we exist, mm-hmm. you know, right? Like it's it's our purpose. So, like for us to not, I mean, it just makes sense. I think from that to even to say, you know, if this is why we're here and why we exist, we need to actually think it through and and treat it seriously, mm-hmm. um, as a nature with with most things. So I would say absolutely, we need to be intentional about thinking through strategically about how we are going to make disciples, and and a lot of that I think is. Um, not necessarily focused on, say, like, um, even even just like the different the steps or whatever. I mean, those can be really important. But how are we going to, be, if, if our version of discipling somebody is helping them follow Jesus, well, I think step one is, you know, we, we need to know who our people are, mm-hmm. right? That's why at mile one, like, we, we you know, we're, we're neighborhood focused um, because that's how, you know, by living amongst your neighbors by living coming alongside of people that's how you get to know how they live what they value what they like what they're what they're doing what what struggles they have right these are the different things that you that you come to know as you get to know a person um and so i think it's important that we know them so that we can know how best that they you know that we can point them to christ that we can come alongside them and help them follow christ um like if if just even here in the office um I mean, if, if you guys didn't know anything about me and I came to Matt, you know, and he had nothing to know about my past or anything like that, and I was struggling with something, um, it would be a lot harder for, for him to actually help me deal with, say, my, my struggle, if I had a struggle with um, overeating, if he had no idea with what my past was around that subject, right? Like when you, he would have a less of an idea of how to accurately point me to Christ because perhaps the problem with my overeating was my view of God. And perhaps my view of God was messed up because of something that happened to me. So we need to know, I think, the people that we're, that we're dealing with in order to, to more accurately help them um, follow Jesus and, and look for different ways that we can, you know, basically show them the gospel in day-to-day life. Um, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And Dave, if you came to me and said you had an eating problem... I would be very shocked because you're yeah, like that, skin on bones. That was a that was just <laughs> theoretical. <laughs> but no, you're right. I mean, that's it's part of our ecclesiology to be, and which it means like our theology in regards to church, right? Um, yeah, we want local churches in the neighborhood, which means the planters and your leadership team, your interns, live in the neighborhood, right? So you're accessible to people, and you're knowing what they're going through in their daily life, mm-hmm. right? 
Um, so if someone comes to me and they're struggling with drugs or they're struggling with loving your wife or being faithful or, you know, do I get married? Do I not get married? Why should I get married? These kind of things. And they've confessed to Christ and they confess faith. Um, then I get to walk them. I get the, the great pleasure of walking with them through what scripture says, what that means, and seeing the Holy Spirit be at work in their life as they wrestle with what God's word says. Yeah. So, so taking that back, I realized I kind of went on a bit of a tangent because you asked like, should we have, mm-hmm. you know, should we think about these things? So Kind of what what I what I went to was yes we should, and here's an example of, of how that can you know work out. Here's an example of how we think a bit about discipleship. Mm-hmm. Um, but even but even then, I guess to kind of summarize that thought is is we need to have plans and think about it because it helps us be more successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, obviously, all of this is under the under the understanding of you know things like in I think it's First Corinthians three. You know the fact that we don't actually change people's hearts like that's not our job we we simply sow the seed we we might water but god's ultimately the one who provides growth um so all that under the you know obviously there's no there's no plan or strategy that's ever going to be greater than the work of god in somebody's life Mm. um but you know we that doesn't give us a pass to just say well then i don't need any kind of a plan at all um like i do think we've been given brains we've been given you know helpful things to to in order to try and help um you know help further the mission and do yep. do be faithful, I guess is the word maybe that sums it up the best in order. You know, it, it's a faithful thing to be able to have, a, to think through in a plan of how you specifically are going to try and make disciples. Yeah. And I mean, you know, when we talk about, you know, being successful as a Christian, we're not talking about making massive loads of money. We're not talking about having, you know, mega churches. We're not talking about having lots of bums in the seat and just a really fat budget. You know, that's not what we're talking about when it comes to success in regards to discipleship. But let me say it like this, like look at the sports world. The sports world has this written all over the shop. Like think, think of Sidney Crosby. Okay. Anyone doesn't know who Sidney Crosby is, plays for the Pittsburgh Penguins, really famous Canadian hockey player. He, he didn't become who he is today because he just woke up and rolled out of bed and flicked on a pair of skates. And he's like, hey, now I'm one of the best hockey players. Right, I, I, I'm going to give this hockey thing a, a shot, right? Right, exactly, right? No, no, he had to go through years and years and years of rigorous training, coaching, and I might say discipleship as it pertains to hockey to get where he's at. And mm. he's very successful in his abilities to play hockey. Say, like, take that analogy, now let's bring it to the Christian world, right? You don't just come to saving faith and you're not you know, now this rock star, apostle Paul, church planner, I'm going to go out like, no, like chances are, as with anyone, you're going to go through the, through the, through the ropes. You're going to go through learning. You're going to go through growth. You're going to go through, you know, being challenged on, on what you believe and and stretched in other areas. You're going to go through discipleship or being discipled so that you can be successful in representing Christ to the best of your abilities, in promoting the gospel, in furthering the kingdom, and, and having an impact. Um, yeah, sorry, when I say that, I mean God using you to impact others around you to then disciple others. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. And we also, I think we also need to care because if we don't disciple others, one, who is going to do it? And two, then you end up with some churches who have immature Christians in leadership positions. Mm. And you have, you know, churches planting churches with immature believers. And, you know, an untaught faith can be a very dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. Right? You need to be able to know what your Bible says, why it says it, 
you know, why it's important to believe that the Bible is God's word, um, why it's important to believe that it is without error, that, you know, it, it doesn't contradict itself. And what does Jesus say about important issues? Because let's just face it, it's it's not popular to be a Christian in this day and age. We get attacked left, right, and center from a, with a plethora of things. And not even here, just in the West, but across, across globally. Right? I mean, you know, the, the reality is that we, we swim upstream in a cultural torrent of of thoughts and opinions that are run counter to, you know, much of, of what the world believes in. Mm-hmm. And so to have uh, a sense of maturity is to be able to go back and say, you know what? No, no, this is, this is what I believe. This is what Christ teaches. Yep. And, and to grow in maturity as it were, as, as Paul encourages us in, in a number of epistles, right? So we need to have mature believers. Like, like Paul says, you know, when you're first saved, like you're only ready for milk, just like a baby, right? And as you grow in your faith, as you come to understand more about what it means to have faith in Jesus and what that looks like, and you become more Christ-like through the Holy Spirit, and you're exampling, you're, you're growing the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. No bananas? No bananas. No watermelons? Not, not that kind of fruit. All right. <laughs> but uh, no, you're exampling these things, which the Holy Spirit produces in inside of you, because they're fruits of the Spirit, mm. Um these are important things because then people know you're a Christian, right? You're being discipled, you're growing, there's there's a change in you, mm. and you're becoming more like the one you serve, yep. right? So this is why it's important to have churches know how they're going to disciple, whether it looks like, you know, a, I don't know, six-year program or something, mm. or you're just very intentional about, we want to make sure this person is partnered up with a mature believer. Right. We want to make sure this person is, you know, touching or at least, you know, you know I mean, speaking to the lives of at least five other people, you know what I mean? However that looks in your church, you at least need some sort of plan of how do you move someone who comes to faith to mature faith? But I think there's also other, other areas too that, you know, we could touch on because, you know, I struggle personally with, with categorizing people in, 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 or putting people in buckets as, as it pertains to them moving through their faith, right? Because, you know, we all have, it's like an ebb and flow. You know, we all have periods of uh, where we're low, uh, maybe spir- uh, spiritually, and then we're really mature spiritually, mm-hmm. uh, and, and we're low again, and then we're high. And so I, I think it's, I think the difficulty in laying out these structured plans is that it doesn't account for the real lifeness it's not even a word, but I'm, I'm so used it anyway. It doesn't account for the, the real lifeness of doing ministry or discipleship with people who are, you know, sinful, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm. yeah. So, with that said, like guys, how how has discipleship been done in Newfoundland? Like, what has your experience been like being discipled yourself? I mean, Matt, I know you were all over the place sometimes, but you did have some time in Newfoundland. What was your discipleship like? I came to Saving Faith and for the first um, 15 years of my walk with Christ, mm-hmm. I, didn't, I, I didn't have, I wasn't discipled. Was it because you didn't have a local church or you just didn't have anyone come alongside you? I like, think it was a mix of both, to be honest. So okay. for, for the first two years, I, I, I didn't attend a church. I was a, this lone Christian uh, out on the southern shore learning <laughs> about Christianity on a 56K dial-up modem. It was it was just you know me and, and God as it were, mm-hmm. and uh, and then after that you know I attended churches um, for the next you know thirteen fourteen years and and there there 
was no like there was no intentional personal active discipling happening mm-hmm. it just it didn't exist uh and yeah so it was pretty lonely what about you dave what was your experience like yeah i mean um to be honest i i gotta say i i'm very thankful and very grateful because i feel like one thing that god has definitely blessed me with is a lot of godly men in my life um which has been really great i mean basically ever since i i started going to church consistently and, and attending um like the local university group here at at mun when i started going to mun um you know like i've you know i mean obviously steve bray and steve don so many other men the elders and, and other men at calvary um you know peer peer discipleship from intervarsity different people i've i've had family like my brother and my cousin disciple me mm-hmm. um and still do and yeah i i gotta say i i just do really feel like for me personally um i mean i've only really ever gone to calvary um but i do think that's something that god has definitely gifted um you know a lot of the leaders of our church and mm-hmm. elders at our church like steve and, and the guys and um, I gotta just say, yeah, I've been, I've been really blessed. I know I've, I've talked with many people who haven't had that experience. Um, so I know it's not necessarily always the norm, but, um, yeah, I gotta say, God, like, I, I am just very thankful. But um, what is it? Sorry, just, uh, I don't mean to steal your thunder Adam, here or anything, but what does it look like? What did it look like for you to be discipled? Like, how did that look in, in the day-to-day run-of-the-mill stuff? Yeah. So, I mean, this is too, where I say like, there's, you know, um, a lot of it, so so for instance, it looked a little bit different depending on who it was, right? So I mean, from, um, you know, from a Calvary perspective and, and early on with Steve and stuff like that, like a lot of it was just, I mean, hearing him preach like and teach and stuff like that, like just learning from him, but then also being able to go and like, if I had a question or a thought, like I, I knew I could always go to my pastor. Um, you know, I could go to the church and knock on his door or send him a text or a call and say, hey, listen, like, I was, I'm wrestling with this. Could you, could you chat with me? And you know, that, that kind of a relationship, um, but some of the more peer discipling kind of stuff, like it meant basically dude, like, I mean, there was a guy, it was a guy named Devin. Um, me and him just became really, really close friends and we just did a whole bunch of stuff together. And then as we did things like, like weekly Bible studies that are in diversity group, um, you know, and just hung out, like he was very intentional about asking me tough questions about, um, you know, checking in how I was doing, just doing life with me. And, and then again, kind of figuring out those ways of, you know, asking good questions or pointing me back to something that we were studying in scripture. Um, and then even from that, I could, I could kind of take two of the worlds, both from, from what I was learning at Calvary and at Muncie and just, um, you know, between other men at the church and just a lot of people basically coming alongside me and just being friends. And then, you know, basically whatever opportunity arose, just constantly pointing me back to the gospel mm-hmm. um, and challenging me and asking me good questions and, and actually caring. Yeah. I feel like yeah. it's another thing too. I never felt like from these people that I was some kind of like project. Um, and that, that that's, yeah. a, that's a real important thing because I feel like at least where I've come from in Newfoundland, it's been treated as if you're a project or once we get your you know butt in the pew and you get saved, well, it's on to the next one. Then you just feel like a target, mm-hmm. right? And But then... Even if your faith is genuine, you're like, okay, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Right? I'm attending church, I'm singing, but what, what does that mean? What does that look like now? And I feel like that was done very poorly for me growing up. Mm-hmm. But now with that said, like, I was discipled. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of it was because I was on our youth, like, executive of our leadership team. I was going to 
Bible college and I was required to serve so many hours at a local church. And then, so I was working, you know, one-on-one with the, you know, the local pastor. Um, and I was very involved in the church life behind the scenes. So I got discipled that way, but I, I often wonder what would have happened if I wasn't involved in leadership, like who would have come alongside me then? And, you know, don't get me wrong. There were men who came alongside me who I can look back on very fondly of, um, you know, who was, who was able to talk scripture with, but I do wonder if I wasn't as active in the local church or if I didn't, you know, step out as much, you know, what, what would have happened? Because I know a lot of people who did come in, um, a lot of people who I grew up with who weren't in leadership and, you know, came to faith, Mm -hmm. but walked away from it after graduating high school and, you know, who probably weren't discipled a whole lot in what that meant to have faith or what that looked like. And, you know, typically, you know, and my, you know, my former denomination, you know, has kind of admitted this, that they were just really bad with discipleship. Mm. You know, we did it really well with getting people, you know, to confess faith, to get those, you know, butts in the pews, but we didn't know what to do with them afterwards. And which is why I think it's really important that we at least have some idea of what it means and how that process looks to see a believer come from immature faith mm. to mature faith in Christ. Yeah, I mean, th- that just needs to happen. But so, and, you know, just for everyone who's listening in, what you've heard is you, you've heard three different examples of what it looks like to not be discipled and to be discipled. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, again, I go back, you know, for the first two years of my faith, it was me. Now, there, I'm not promoting, you know, everyone should just go and start learning the, the foundations of, of Christianity because, you know, there, there's challenges with that as well, doing it on your own. Um, but for me, it worked, uh, and I was corrected along the way. For Dave, you had really intentional people coming in and out of his life all throughout his uh, through his walk with Christ. For Adam, you really saw his church because of his uh, stepping out uh, and getting involved, coming alongside of him. What I want everyone to listen or home in on as they listen is that discipleship isn't a one-size-fits-all, as we've mentioned Mm -hmm. before. You just can't sit down and write this 10-step plan for going from, like Adam said, you know, immature to mature faith. God can use a lot, a lot of, of circumstances and people to mature you and grow you in the faith. Right. Um, as Dave mentioned, he was talking really about relational discipleship, just coming alongside uh, people and doing life together. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's challenging people. It's it's giving people a kick in the butt. It's loving them. It, it's mm-hmm. rebuking them. It, it's you know walking alongside of them, crying with them, crying laughing with them. With them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and, and yeah. a lot of that too, guys. Like for anybody listening to, I mean, we, we've talked a bit about our past, but I mean, we're also being discipled today. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't something that you kind of do when you're a new Christian and then you graduate and then you're never discipled. I mean, all of us around this, I mean, I feel like, especially with the three of us sitting around the table now, I feel like we've all discipled one another at one point um, oh, or absolutely. even continue on, right? And even especially with the, the structure of model mission with, with Steve and Jennifer and Steve Da, like, you know, we, we just constantly have people, you know, discipling us and we're, you know, practicing that, I think, as well. So it's, it's definitely an ongoing thing. Like, you never mm-hmm. graduate... Um, like you're never the supreme follower of Jesus and don't need any more discipleship. Mm. Um, it's ongoing. So what are what are our plans moving forward as new church plans? And just acknowledging that we need to know how we're going to disciple our people, whether it be a program, whether it be relational, like how, how do we move forward with that? Well, I think prayer and discernment 
for for starters, right? Every church is going to look different. Um, and so for us with, with KCC, I very much um, align with what Dave was talking about earlier with the, with the relational outreach, relational evangelism, relational discipleship, uh, right? Like uh, it's just coming alongside people right now. Uh, and, you know, uh, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. It's all good. I think, yeah, I mean, I think in, I think in Kill Bride, um, I mean, to be completely open and honest, I think this is something that us as a, as a leadership team, we're, we're still kind of working out and, and trying to figure out, like, we don't want to just, you know, spend three hours and be like, oh yeah, that's it. Like, like you know, we want to make sure where it's so important. We want to make sure we spend the right time mm-hmm. at it and thinking it through and, and be, also be uni- united around it. But, you know, I think, I think as Matt's saying with Kilbride, I mean, we look at the demographic and the people there, like, there's just a lot of houses, a lot in Kilbride and, and the way that I think most people who do have interactions and a sense of community there are because of the different relationships that they have and just things as simple as like, you know, they're, they're either family or friends and they, they, their kids go on play dates together or they, they come over for a meal or, mm-hmm. you know, you go to the store, like just little things that you can kind of do. And, and again, kind of, as you live alongside people, um, you know, and, and you listen to them and, and just hear about their story and their life, you know, if, if they ever, and also modeling what it looks like to be a Christian as well, right? So if, you know, if people come to your house, you know, are they going to see you pray? Are they going to see you? Like, what what things are they going to observe about you and your marriage? Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of discipleship, too, is not just being, I'm the mentor and you're the mentee, and you just got to kind of take it, what... A lot of it is letting people in and being vulnerable yourself. Say, man, and, and like I said, how we kind of do this with amongst ourselves. I mean, how many times have one of us come in and been like, boys like today i'm just i'm struggling yep like this relationship like you know i had this this happened to me this past weekend or, or this week and it's just like i'm just not not feeling it today yeah just um, opposite relationship doesn't mean that you come off as perfect that you come off as having everything all together mm-hmm. it means that you're willing to admit that you're just as weak as someone else and you need christ just as much as they need mm-hmm. christ but you show people what that looks like and you call people to Christ just as much as you want others to call you to Christ. Mm-hmm. It's a two-way street, man. It really is. And like, I think too, I, I love this quote. Um, we're simply beggars who have found food trying to tell other beggars where to find it. Absolutely. Um, and even if we're both beggars and we're, you know, sometimes we might go look for food elsewhere and we need to be reminded, the food's back here, the food's back here. Um, right? So. Yeah. A key thing, like you said, is actually just spending time with people, investing in their lives. Right, not just viewing them as a target, or like, you know, just to see them saved and be like, yes, okay, move on to the next one. No, that that's that's not what discipleship is. Mm-hmm. And I think a big key also is if we as we start churches is to put into you know the DNA of the churches, the pastor doesn't have to do everything. Yes, I was just thinking right? that too. We are all called to make disciples. Mm-hmm. We are all called to tell people about Jesus and who He is. That's actually part of what it means to follow Jesus mm-hmm. is to tell others. Right. So it's not just because the pastor of the church is not, you know, one on one with you all the time or not always speaking to your life. Yes, you should be able to have time with your pastor and be counseled by them if you need to be. But as for the person who is mentoring you or discipling you, it doesn't have to be your pastor. It could be another mature Christian or elder or leader in your church. And just as uh, as we're finishing up here, I'm, one of the questions that has been hammered into me time and time again, and I, I love that it's it's embedded into my brain, is uh, who are you discipling and who is discipling you? Mm-hmm. So let's put that out to our audience. Exactly. Who are you discipling and who's discipling you? 
And and as we talk about the church, I mean, that is essentially, you know, we talk about strategies and, and plans and, mm-hmm. and stuff and goals. And I think that's a really good one for the church to be aiming for as our church plans. Is, and I know Calvary does this, you know, the, we, our church, uh, I think a really good, great goal for our church. And we might not ever get there, but something to keep working towards is that everybody in your church is being discipled, but is also discipling somebody else. It's exactly what you just said, you know, who is discipling me? Who am I discipling? And if you ingrain that in your church's DNA, um, then it doesn't have to be the pastor who does it all. It doesn't have to be the, the core team staff or the leadership. It's just people discipling people. It's, it's, it's a community of people helping one another follow Jesus. Dave, did you say two more words? <laughs> he did say something like that, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> he said like two more words or something. I think you were like two, two words, words. Four like words? Forward. I think you put two words oh, together. <laughs> that's my new free speech, bye. <laughs> Anyways, on that note, that's what we want to leave you with. Not with two words. <laughs> but we want to leave you with the fact like who's discipling you and who are you discipling? If you feel like you haven't been discipled, if you feel like you're not appointed to disciple elders yet, mm. Don't be afraid to ask someone, mm-hmm. to ask a mature believer in your local church to say, hey, can you help me in my faith with Jesus? And it, that that's a one that's very humbling to do, so it's already showing some growth in you. Um, but two, I think if you ask someone, I think they'll be very, I would like to think they would probably be very honored and humbled that you would even ask them to come alongside you in your walk, because this is not, the Christian faith is not a you know, solitary walk. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you have your own personal faith in that, but it's meant to be done in conjunction with other believers. Yeah. And sorry, just one, one thing tagging on to that as well. I mean, the reality is for everybody out there, we all have influence over somebody else. Mm. Right? So whether you know it or not. Exactly. So, you know, you, you can ask yourself the question, how are you going to influence somebody? Are you going to be an influencer of, of people by helping them follow Christ? And I think that's a great great question to ask and hopefully that's the direction that we can move in so mm-hmm. well on that note i hope you enjoyed this episode and i uh, look forward to next week when we talk about restoration which is something i know that i have been looking at for downtown community church i believe matt has been looking at as well for kilbride community church uh, so i hope you're enjoying these episodes and catch us again same time same place next week You've been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is brought to you by Mile One Mission. If you want to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland and Labrador, visit www.mileonemission.ca.